Thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we're helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all, or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can go to mynsc.org happenings. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout the week. And now, check out this week's sermon. Are you ready to rock and roll, everybody? You ready to get into this? It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, get out your sermon notes. We're continuing this series called Expect More, how to take your faith to the next level, to really believe for the impossible, knowing that there's nothing impossible with God. And today we're going to deal with a topic matter uh, called defeating doubt. And it's really one of the three. As we took a survey a couple of weeks ago and said, what are you struggling with? What, what's been in, in your heart and your mind as far as, you know, believing for the impossible, you know, really taking your, your faith to the next level. What do you struggle with? Well, the, the highest on the list was doubt. And I, and I kind of knew that that would be the case, was already preparing a message for that because I want to address this topic and really, really want to teach you how to live a life of victory in Christ Jesus. And I'm going to answer some questions today that a, a lot of you ask and a lot of you struggle with when it comes to doubt. I'm going to, I'm going to by, by the grace of God, teach you how to live a life of faith, even if you have some doubts. And what do you do with those doubts? It's going to be really, really good today. But I want to start by reading from Hebrews chapter 11. And I'm going to start with verse 6. We just uh, kind of to set again the foundation very, very quickly of what we talked about the last couple of weeks. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to God must believe that he not only exists, but that he rewards those who earnestly seek him, who earnestly pursue him. We said a lot of people want the rewards of God, the blessings of God, but they don't want to do the seeking. Well, here at New Song, I want you to know that, that we preach the, the full counsel of God's word. We teach all of the Bible, and you need to diligently pursue the Lord. He is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek after him. Here's the, founda- here's the, the, the most foundational verse in the scripture. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says now, says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's the biblical definition of faith. So faith is, write this down, faith is the current ownership of what I do not see. It's the current ownership of what I do not see. It's the substance. It's the evidence. We said it this way, that the promises of God... The promises of God are written in a legal binding contract called the Word of God, in which it is impossible for God to lie, Hebrews eleven six. So the promises of God is the evidence that you need in your life that says that what God says he's going to do, it's actually going to happen, that he will fulfill his promises. And it's evidence, so it's the current ownership. So you can say it this way, that every time you read a promise in your, in your word, in, in the word, in, in the Bible, every time you read a promise from God, it's evidence to you that you can take possession of it or take ownership of it and say, hey, I don't know when, I don't know how, but I know it's going to happen because God promised it, and it's impossible for God to lie. So now I've done a study on, on faith, and really, uh, I looked at something that I never really looked at in the past, or at least if I had, I don't remember it. But I looked up the word faith in the Greek, and I have that in your, in your notes. And it, it literally means to be persuaded. It, it's a persuasion. It's to be persuaded. To be persuaded. And I, I'm going to say it a different way. That faith, that faith is when you have a change of mind based upon 
knowledge. It's when you have a change of mind based upon knowledge. In fact, the Bible says that all of us have been given a measure of faith. So first of all, the faith that you have in your life is a grace gift from God. It's given to you by grace, and it's meant to do something. It's meant to make a change in you, and you're meant to grow in knowledge. And when you grow in the knowledge of God, you'll also grow in faith. In fact, let me show you this. I was, in fact, several of you uh, came in my office this past week as I was studying this. I said, I'm having so much fun studying for this <laughs> because I, I've, I've started looking at faith in a way that I never had before, that faith actually means movement. It, it's a movement. It's moving from, hey, I, I, I was a person of doubt, but I have moved. I have been persuaded, and now I'm a person of faith. See, being persuaded takes you from one place to another place. How many know it looks like I'm dancing up here? I'm doing the shuffle here. It takes you from one place to another place. Are you with me? That's what faith does. It takes you from doubt to belief. It takes you from fear to trust. So faith is, is actually being persuaded. It's being moved to a different state of mind. And that comes from knowledge and it's a grace gift from God. That's why salvation, we say salvation consists of two things, both repentance, repentance and faith. I say it this way, that faith and repentance are two sides of the same coin. That you have to come to Jesus Christ, put your faith in Jesus Christ, and it is a repentance of sin. It's saying, my sin has separated me from my Savior. I, I am now turning my back on sin, and I'm facing you. I'm asking for forgiveness and for your help in overcoming sin in my life. So, so salvation consists of both faith and repentance. What is, what is repentance? The biblical definition of repentance is not a change of direction. It's actually literally a change of mind that leads to a change of direction. That's what repentance is. So repentance and faith are linked. Repentance is a change of mind. Guess what faith is? It's a change of mind. You have been persuaded from doubt to belief, from fear to trust. It consists of movement, movement. Now, we see this in Scripture, and it's found in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1. We, we find that Paul is writing to a very uh, you know, young Timothy, who is a pastoral leader. He's leading a church. And Paul says something so amazing here. He, watch this, everybody. He says, God has saved us and called us with a holy calling, with a holy calling. First of all, new song, you need to know, I don't remind you enough that God has a purpose for your life. You've been called by God to make a difference in the world. I just taught this in Live Your Dream, my small group that met the last couple of, of weeks, and that's just come to an end now, but God created you as the solution to a problem. You've been created as the solution to a problem. That when God made you, he had a problem in mind, and you weren't the problem. You were called to solve the problem. When God created you, he had a problem in mind that you were called to solve. And, and there's no, because, because the call of God is powerful, no matter, we always tend to say, wow, you have a high calling, or well, you're just called to. No, it doesn't work like that. Every calling is a powerful calling. There, I don't really believe that there's one calling that's greater than any other calling. 
that all of us are part of one body and all of us are important, the Bible says. All of us are important. But you were called as, as the solution, you were created as the solution to a problem. And you're meant to discover that purpose and make a difference in the world. I promise you, it'll always make a difference in the life of someone else. So, so Paul writes, he says, God has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works. Can I, can I get a big thank you, God, for, to that right there? Because we don't deserve to have this purpose on our life, but it's there. Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time even began. But has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, to which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher to the Gentiles. For this reason, what, what's the reason? For the reason, I, I've been appointed to the gospel as a preacher, a teacher, an apostle. <coughs> Excuse me. For this reason, I suffer these things. Well, he, he's saying this. I know what hardship is all about. I know what suffering is all about. And I'm, the reason I'm suffering is I'm actually living out my purpose in Christ Jesus. And the purpose on my life is the grace of God. Isn't that amazing? So a lot of people think that suffering is a discipline of God. He said, actually, I'm suffering, but I'm not being disciplined. This is a part of the grace of God upon my life. Isn't that amazing? Though that's a different way of thinking about suffering, isn't it? He said, for this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed about suffering for the gospel. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I committed to him until that day. One of the, one of the uh, most really uh, famous portions of scripture that Paul says, he says, I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able. I have moved from doubt to faith. I've moved from from disbelief, from anxiety to trusting in God. And I did it because now I know knowledge has increased my faith. I know whom I have believed and I have moved. I have changed positions. I am persuaded that he is able. My question is, are you fully persuaded that God is able? Are you fully persuaded that he is loving, he's kind, he's compassionate, he's patient, but he's also powerful? Are you fully persuaded that God is able? And he's not only able, but he's willing. In fact, he's not only willing, but he gives us his word and his promises and says, I tell you the truth, I'm not lying. I'm gonna fulfill my promises in your life. Are you fully persuaded in that? And there are moments in my life where I think, man, I am fully persuaded. And there's other moments in my life like, well, uh, I have some questions though. I've got some questions. Everybody does. Everybody gets questions at some time. In fact, I, I want you to know if you've, never had, if you've never questioned 
the grace and the power and the, the will of God or the miraculous or God answering your prayer. If you've not questioned God at some point, if you've not doubted at some point, you're not normal. Like you are not normal. In fact, I've never met one person who did not doubt God at some point. And in fact, I want you to know that sometimes I still question. I sometimes I still have thoughts. I still have, I, I still have things that, that the devil tries to whisper to me. And I'm like, well, yeah, what about that? And that doesn't make sense. And God, why didn't you just do it like this? Like I asked, how come you didn't do that? When I, I just thought it was so clear that that's what you would do. And yet he didn't. And I'm not talking about, there's some, there's some times where, 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 where people are like, I'm really questioning God. And I'm like, well, why? Well, grandma died and I prayed that God would heal her. Like, well, grandma was 103. <laughs> like, it's appointed that we are all gonna die once. Like one out of every one dies. You know what I'm talking about, right? And there's some people who have doubts and questions like, well, why did grandma die? I'm like, grandma was really old. You know, it's going to happen. But there's other times where it's a very sincere doubt. It's a very sincere question. It's a, it's a very sincere wondering. And how do we do that? How do we, how do we have these doubts and yet live a life of faith? How do we have these doubts? How do we defeat doubt in our life when we have some, some honest-to-goodness questions, just questions? And I want to show you that you're not the only one. In fact... I did a study this week that after Jesus' death and resurrection, that there were numerous times that Jesus showed up on the scene after he was raised to new life. And I thought, well, how many times did that actually happen? How many times did Jesus show up? And, I, and I'll tell you why I was asking that in just a second. We're gonna read this in, in Matthew 28. But I did a study, and of course, you know, I, I, I first of all, just start, you know, in the studies, well, I just research it. I just look at other, other theologians, other Bible scholars, and, and all of a sudden I realized that they were giving a variety of answers. That there were some scholars that would say, well, nine times, one said 10. A lot of people said 12. There were a lot more people who said uh, 13. So 12 and 13 were the highest, and I, I understand why now. How many times did Jesus show himself after the resurrection? I just decided, well, I'm gonna count them myself. I'm just gonna go through the study and count them. And so I, I, I spent some time this week, uh, probably too much time now that I look back, but I spent some time this week. How many times did Jesus show himself after resurrection? I came up with 12. I came up with 12. Now, I'm going to give you these very, very quickly, and, and, and most of these are just going to come, they're going to ring true to you if you've studied your Bible. Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene. Remember, she thought he was the gardener. And then he showed up to two other women, um, I practice this word, everybody. Her name is Salome. Salome, not Salami, and not Salome. It's Salome in, in the Greek. And Mary, which is, Mary was the mother of James. It wasn't his own mother. It was the mother of James. And that was the, so that was the second time. He showed, up, he, he showed himself to Peter. He showed himself to two men on the road to Emmaus. He showed himself to the, to the uh, uh, disciples, to the apostles, without Thomas being there. But then he showed up to them again when Thomas was actually in the room. And that's when Thomas said, well, I won't believe until I actually touch him, until I put my finger where his scars are and where he was pierced. And, and then he, he did that and he looks at Jesus. He says, my Lord and my God, like you, you, it's you, it's you. So Jesus appeared once without Thomas, once with Thomas in the room. He appeared to, to seven of his disciples on the shore of Galilee. 
to the apostles on a mountain in Galilee to over 500 people at one time. If you're keeping track of that, that was number nine. Number 10 was to his brother James. Number 11 was to the apostles. And then he ate a meal with them. And then finally, at his ascension, he appeared one more time just before he ascended into heaven. That would be 12 times. The other, the 13th time, by the way, just side note, the other 13th time would be when Paul was, well, actually at that point, Saul was on the road to Damascus and Jesus came and appeared and said, why are you persecuting me, right? And, and called Saul and ultimately out of, out of unbelief into belief and changed his name. Of course, he became the apostle Paul. Everybody with me so far? So there were multiple times that Jesus showed up to his disciples after his resurrection. And here we have Matthew 28, verse 16. Watch this. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Now, when did he tell them to go here, everybody? After his resurrection. This is post-resurrection. Jesus said, hey, I want you to go to this this mountain in Galilee, and I want you to, to wait there for So that's what they did. And when they saw Jesus, they worshiped him, but some doubted. What, what's this new song? In the middle of their worship, they're saying, but really? In the middle of their worship, there were doubts. In the, in the middle of their obedience, they obeyed Jesus. They went to the mountain. They waited for him. He shows up. They worship him, but on the inside, Jesus knows something that you and I wouldn't catch on the outside, but Jesus knew that there was some doubt. And in the middle of their doubt, Jesus says this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. He's saying, listen, I know that you're doubting right now, but I want you to know, I want you to hear it from me. I am with you to the very end. In the middle of their doubt, new song, in the middle of their doubt, he places an assignment on their life attached to a promise. I want you to go, but I'll always be with you. In the middle of their doubt, amazing to me. I want you to write this down, number one, and how to defeat doubt. The presence of doubt doesn't disqualify disciples. The presence of doubt in your life does not disqualify you from being a follower of Christ. In fact, the promises of God are still yours, even in your doubt. How many know that that's some good news right there? I'm trying to encourage you today. Everybody, that's some good. You're gonna have moments. You're gonna have moments when the, the enemy whispers in your ear seeds of doubt, thoughts of doubt, thoughts of fear, thoughts of anxiety. It's the, it's the what if questions. And he's gonna do it. And in the middle of the questions, you still have a purpose on your life. And Jesus says, 
My promises still belong to you. My promises are yes and amen. It's amazing to me. What grace. So if you say, boy, I've got a lot of questions. Don't we all? Don't we all? Well, pastor, how can I believe if I have these questions? Great, great question. Faith is not a feeling. It is a choice. Faith is not a feeling. It is a choice. Just like love is not a feeling. Love is a choice. It, love produces emotions in us, but love is a choice. It's not a feeling. And faith is a choice. It's not a feeling, but faith will produce emotions in you as well. Did you know that? But faith is not a feeling. It's a choice. And the choice is this. Am I going to trust in the enemy or am I going to trust in my God? Am I going to trust in the one who loves me and who gave his son for me? Or am I going to trust in the one who's trying to take me out, who comes to steal and to kill and destroy? In whom am I going to place my trust? In whom am I going to have faith? And when you live a life of fear, fear believes the enemy, but faith believes God. Fear believes the enemy, but faith believes God. And at that point, you realize, you realize that even in your doubt, your only option outside of trusting wholeheartedly in Christ Jesus, your, your only option after trusting in God is actually trusting in the enemy and what he has for you. And you just say, well, that's not wise exactly. And that's how you defeat doubt. I'm not, I don't have to feel it. I'm going to choose it. I might not know the answers, but I know the one who does. I know that he's working all things out for my good, and I trust him. Can I tell you something? There's some things I don't understand about God. I have questions, and I don't have answers. Can I point something out to you? This is so interesting. So let me, let me give you some, some of the details of, of the questions that I've had. Okay, so I wrote just a few of them down. Matthew chapter 14, verse 14, Jesus, uh, he came back to shore. He landed, the Bible says, and he saw a large crowd and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. So he healed out of his compassion. What's this? Mark chapter 10, verse 51. This is about blind Bartimaeus. Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? And blind Bartimaeus said, Rabbi, I want to see. And Jesus said, go, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus. So at one point, Jesus heals people out of his compassion. They did not ask for it. He just did it because he was compassionate. At another time, he sees blind Bartimaeus, but blind Bartimaeus has to actually make a request. And he says, your faith has healed you. There was another time, the woman with the issue of blood, remember her, the woman with the issue of blood, 
She, she went to Jesus and she said, if I could just touch the hem of his robe, then I'll be healed. And she, she did that and Jesus stopped in the middle of the crowd and he asks this question, who touched me? And his disciples are thinking, Jesus, everybody's been touching you. They say, Jesus, everybody's been touching you. And he said, no, I have felt power exit me. She made a withdrawal all on her own. So Jesus didn't heal the same way. And I'm just talking about one aspect of the miraculous, just healing right now. Jesus did not heal the same way every time. He just didn't. Why? I don't know. Well, let me ask you a question. Why not everybody? Well, one time we say, Jesus said in his own hometown, well, I'm not going to do many miracles here because you don't have the faith. So a lot of times it's a lack of faith, but not every time. Because Paul goes to the Lord and says, I've got this thorn in the flesh. Take this thing from me. I'm, I'm begging you. Multiple times, God, take this thing from me. And his, his, the Lord's response to Paul was, my grace is sufficient for you. And the healing didn't come. And that was to the apostle Paul. In fact, there was another time. There's another time that Paul, he's writing to, to Timothy and he says, hey, Timothy, the, there's one thing about you that I know is that you have a lot, you just frequent stomach issues. Like he had like IBS, everybody. And, and you would think, well, Paul would just go up to Timothy and King James version it. Like Timothy, be ye healed, boom. You know what I'm talking about? Like King James Version it right there. And he doesn't do that. He says, hey, Timothy, I know about your frequent bowel problems, and it would be good if you just have a little bit of wine, salt, just to calm down your tummy. Why? Why? Okay, in all humility, I don't know. And neither does the highest scholar alive today. I don't know. Why, why doesn't he always heal? I don't know. And if you're saying, well, it doesn't make sense. Can I tell you something? Surely there was something in Paul who said, I've got this thorn in the flesh and it doesn't make sense. But his doubt did not disqualify him from a life of faith. His, let me say it a different way. It was his questioning. It was, it was solid. I, God, I know. I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that you are able. I still got questions. And God says, that's okay. I'm okay with your questions. I just want you to trust me. And he says, I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded. I have moved from a lack of trust to trust. And I don't have all the answers, but I know my God is good. And I know he's faithful and I know he loves me. And I know he's working out everything according to his purpose. And he lived a life of worship in the middle of his questioning.
So how can you defeat doubt in your life? Number four, write this down, that faith increases when my knowledge of God increases. Remember what the word of God says? It says that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of the Lord. When you grow in the knowledge of God, you will grow in faith, I promise you that. And that's why you have to dive into the word of God. How can you believe a promise of God if you don't know the promise exists? If you don't know that there's a promise in God's, in God's word, how can you believe it if you don't know it? How can you, let me ask you a question. How can you say, Pastor Justin, if you don't know my name? You can't. How can you call, how can you call out to me if you don't know who I am? And God is saying, listen, how can, how can you fully trust me if you don't know me? How can you believe in me if you don't know my promises and don't know my word? Because faith increases as your knowledge of God increases. The more you get to know about God, the more faith you have. Let me say it this way. I've never been more of a faith-filled follower of Christ than I am right now, but I've never known God to the level that I've known him right now. And by the way, the faith that I have right now, I don't think it'll compare to the faith that I'll have 10 years from now because I'm gonna keep growing in the knowledge of God. So faith grows when your knowledge of God grows. And I'm trying to help you defeat doubt in your life. So study his word. Take those promises of God. Take ownership of them. Take possession of them. And you might have some questions, but the opposite is, would you rather believe the enemy or would you rather believe God? Would you rather believe the one who is the father of all lies, the author of all lies, or would you rather believe the one who says, it's impossible for me to lie? Oh, I know who I'm choosing, everybody. I'm not choosing the enemy. I'm choosing my father. In fact, write this down. that faith isn't just believing God for what I want. It's trusting God to do what's best. So yeah, there's questions that I have. There's questions that I still have. But one thing I've learned is that I don't understand all of the ins and outs of God's plan. I don't get it. There are still questions. As I study the word of God, there are still questions that I have. But the one thing I do know to be true, I know the characteristic, the nature of God to be true. I know he's good. I know that his love endures forever. I know that he's faithful even when I'm faithless. I know that he loves me with an everlasting love. I know that he's compassionate and he's kind and he's patient. I know the nature of God. I know the will of God. So therefore, even in my questioning, I'm gonna believe him. Even in my questioning, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask God for some things. I'm gonna believe God for some things that I'd really like God to do. But at the heart of it, I'm gonna trust him to do what's best. Isn't that what he was telling Paul? Paul, I know 
You want me to remove this out of your life, this thorn in your flesh. I know you want me to take it out, but I'm telling you, my grace is sufficient. That it's better for you that it stays there. But I don't want it to. But I have to trust God to say, but God, I trust you that it's better. You know, I went through some very, very dark years in my life. And as I've told you before, as I came out of it, I, wouldn't, I would never want to go through those years again. I wouldn't wish those years on anybody. But I, I went to my heavenly father and said, Father, if that's what it took to get me to the place of freedom that I'm at today, thank you for taking me through it. Thank you, Lord. I didn't understand it. I didn't want it. And I never want it again. But I've been changed. I was refined. I'm more of a man of faith than I've ever been. I don't understand it, but I know that God is good. I know he's good. I want to tell you something else about faith. If you want to, de if you want to defeat doubt in your life, faith is a journey, it's not just a moment in time. It's a journey, not just a moment in time. That's why the Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight. We live by faith. Like it is a journey. It's, it's not a destination, it's a journey. It's a journey, and you're growing and growing and growing in faith. Now, there are moments, there are moments where a gift of faith, a supernatural grace gift from God will come upon me or come upon you. And it's just a moment of great faith that the Lord just, whew, just pours on me. Let me ask you a question. Here's something else I don't understand. There are times where the Bible says, seek and keep seeking, ask and keep asking, knock and keep knocking. Like be persistent. Pursue and persistent, earnest, diligent seeking. But there are other times where faith arises in me and I can make a declaration with my mouth. I can make a prayer with my mouth and I just know I don't have to pray about that anymore. By faith, it's already mine in Christ Jesus. By faith, it's already done by the power of God. You say, why is that? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but I know God's good. And I know that faith is not a destination, it's a journey. I know that faith is a journey, it's not just a moment of time. That if you believe today, you need to believe tomorrow and next week and next month and next year and for the rest of your life. And that faith needs to be a growing faith. I know that. And the longer I serve Jesus, the more I see him as faithful. Let me say it this way, number seven, that the strongest faith pushes through the doubts and fears by simply taking God at his word. I, I'm gonna say that in a, in a different way. That the strongest faith is actually the most simple faith. The strongest faith is actually the most simple faith. I'm just taking God at his word. That's all I'm doing. I'm just taking God out of his, his word. And you know, that is so biblical. 
In fact, everybody, the Bible calls it, the New Testament calls it childlike faith. When you're, when you're, if, you, if you've had children or grandchildren, did you ever go through the season of whys? Well, why, daddy? Why, daddy? Why, daddy? Why, daddy? Or what is that, daddy? What is that, daddy? What is that, daddy? Well, if my children come up and say, hey, daddy, what color is the sky? Daddy's going to say blue. And guess what my child is going to do? He or she is going to take me at my word. They're just going to trust in me. That is childlike faith. I just take you at your word. Why? Well, daddy wouldn't lie to me. How do you know the sky is blue? My daddy told me. Well, how do you know he wasn't lying? Well, he would never lie to me. That's my daddy. How many know what I'm talking about? The strongest faith is a childlike faith. The strongest faith is a faith that simply takes God at his word. At all times, in all things. And the other option outside of believing God is believing the enemy. Well, who wants to live that life? Not me. I'd much rather live my life believing God, the one who's living for my good, not believing in the one who's trying to steal and to kill and destroy. not believing in the one who does nothing but lie. No, I'm gonna believe my father because he's perfect and he's right and he's pure. There's no darkness in him at all. And most of all, most important of all, my heavenly father is love. It's not what he does, it's who he is. Everything that he does is for my good. It's for the good of my family, for, for the good of my, my, my church family for the good of this state, for the good of this nation, for the good of this world. But, but pastor, I don't understand it. I don't either. But I'd rather trust in God than trust in the enemy. I just, I'm just gonna live a childlike, I'm gonna take God at his word. And it's the strongest faith that you could ever have. Just pushes through doubts, pushes through fears, takes God at his word. That's how you defeat doubt. You do not base your faith upon your emotions. You base your faith on the word of God and the character and nature of God, and you just take him at his word. And he will prove himself faithful over and over and over again. Now, let me ask you a question. You're gonna preach the final amen here. How many of you have not only experienced the miraculous, but as you've lived a life in Christ, you have found God not not always, it doesn't always make sense. But you've found God to be faithful. Raise your hands. And there's the amen. There's the amen. Let's stand up together. I hope you are encouraged in the faith today. I have tried my best to, to build you up in the faith. But when you leave this place, your response is your responsibility. Are you going to believe God or are you gonna believe the enemy? Are you gonna live a life of doubt or are you gonna live a life of faith? Are you gonna choose the word of God and grow in faith as you grow in the knowledge of God? Or are you gonna stay where you are 
and continue to question and continue to doubt, all the while allowing the enemy to have a foothold in your life. Don't do that. No, today we're making a choice. So this, this response time is twofold. Today we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna do some old-fashioned repenting today and ask God to forgive us for the times that we doubted, that we didn't trust him, that we believed the enemy instead of believing our God. And we're gonna ask him to strengthen us in faith. And we're gonna make a decision today to base our faith not upon our emotions, but simply upon his word, that we're just going to choose him. Could we open up our hands toward heaven? Heavenly Father, we come before you in all humility, confessing that we don't know all things. We certainly don't know all things. We don't know all the reasoning. We, we have questions. But Lord, we're reminded today when the disciples, in the middle of their worship, they still had some doubts. And Jesus, you still placed on them an assignment, a purpose. And I thank you, because that screams out grace. It screams out mercy. It screams out love to us. And we thank you for loving us, even in our doubts, even in our questions. You love us. Lord, help us to grow in faith. Help us to grow in the knowledge of your word. When we read your word, let your, your word come alive in us and change us so that we could be who you've called us to be. And we make a decision today, a no going back type of decision. It says, I refuse to put my trust in the enemy. I put my trust in you. And I say, along with Thomas, my Lord and my God, I believe. I believe in you. I believe in your word. I believe in your goodness. I believe in your compassion and your mercy and your grace. And I believe in your love. And I pray that I would live a life with the help of your Holy Spirit of childlike faith where I would simply take you at your word and believe the promises of God that are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Thank you for helping me. Thank you, Lord, for living for my good. Thank you for your patience with me. And thank you for helping me become the person of faith that I've been called to be in Christ Jesus. I receive that calling now. And in this day, I choose to walk in it for the rest of my life. I choose to be a person of faith in Jesus' name. And if you agree with that today, could you say a very big amen? As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life and we would love to continue on that journey with you. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org contact. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. 
You are the ones who God is using to make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Thank you for watching. We hope you tune in next week.